Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Hey, welcome, and today is part seven of our series, Genuine, a walk through Colossians. Today we're looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 15. And the question of the day is this, what is the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? Heard some people say that, well, Christians are moral and and non-Christians are immoral. Well, no, that's not true. I know many moral, good non-Christian people. And I know some Christians whose morals are questionable, which makes me think their Christianity is questionable. Um, Some people would say, well, the difference between Christians and non-Christians is that Christians are forgiven. That's true, but it is a pretty weak answer as far as it goes. We're going to get into some of the substance of what is the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Before we get there, though, I want to be very clear. We're not saying that Christians are against non-Christians. I know that some people uh, trying to make a name for themselves or trying to stir up trouble or create political divisions, try to pick Christians against non-Christians, but that's not the Jesus way. Jesus loves people. So, for God so loved the world. As Christians, we are for our non-Christian people, and we are for them, not against them. And so we're cheering them on. But that being said, there is a difference between Christians and non-Christians. And that's what we want to take a look at today. And it would be good for you to ask, which camp am I in? What camp do I want to be in? So come with me to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 15. So so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Paul starts in verse 6, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in him. The way you become a Christian is to receive Jesus as Lord. That is one of the the first and most significant differences between a Christian and a non-Christian. A Christian receives Jesus as Lord. Romans chapter 10, verses 
9 and 10 say, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess and your, your faith and are saved. Becoming a Christian is about believing in Jesus and believing in what he did for you on the cross. It, but it's also about receiving him as Lord. Now let me nuance this a little bit so that you understand it well. We use a number of expressions to talk about Jesus as Lord. Maybe when you became a Christian, you prayed a prayer that said, I give you my life. That's another way of saying, Jesus, I'm yours, you're my Lord. Uh, maybe you said, I'm going to follow you. That's another way of saying, Jesus is Lord. He's leading, I'm following, your Lord. When you became a Christian, you not only believed that Jesus took your sin, and we're going to look at that a little later, but in some way you also received him as Lord. Those things are a package deal. You, you, you can't have one without the other. Now, all of us have struggled with the Lordship of Christ in different areas of our lives. We sometimes go our way rather than Christ's way. Learning to go God's way is part of what it means to grow up in the faith. It's a part of the growth process. But our intention is to do what God calls us to do. And when we don't do that, we come back to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, we confess our sin. And we repent and we turn and we head back towards God. Because our intention is to follow him. Jesus is Lord. That is part of what it means to be a Christian. You can't say, Jesus, I, I want you to forgive me, but I have no intention of following you. You can't become a Christian that way. The Lordship of Jesus is part of the package. Lord, I give my life to you. Lord, I'm going to follow you. I receive you as Lord. Paul says, so, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Paul says, you, you, you gave your lives to, to Jesus as Lord. Continue to do that. Je, uh, continue to follow, follow him, knowing that you are in him and that he is in you. You live and you move and you have your being in Christ. And as you continue to follow him, here is what's going to happen. Verse 7, you give him Jesus as Lord. And verse 7 says, you'll be rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanksgiving. That's what happens when you continue to follow Jesus. You are rooted. The, the foundation that you're building for your life is strong. It's good. It's healthy. And you're built up. You, you, you grow as a person in him. And he starts to, to frame in the kind of person that you are. And he takes who you are and who you were created to be. And he starts to make you a solid person. You're built up in him. And he says your faith is growing. It's strengthened too. And I'll tell you that the people who have faith, people who walk through this life with faith, they see incredible things happen. And not only that, you're overflowing with thanksgiving. It's not just that you practice gratitude. But something happens in your heart that, that you have this uh, well-full, overflowing well of, of thanksgiving and joy because you know what God is doing and, and you're so thankful for what he has done. 
All of this comes out of your confession that Jesus is Lord and living that out. Now, now let's move on to a non-Christian. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow or deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and on the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Notice, if someone takes you captive, they are your Lord. You have Jesus as Lord, or if you're taken captive by what Paul's talking about, these hollow and deceptive philosophies, well, that is your Lord. So instead of having Jesus as Lord, non-Christians have uh, something else as Lord. Paul describes it as philosophy, he describes it as human tra uh, tradition, or in some cases, even demonic forces. And there are many deceptive and hollow philosophies in our country. We have uh, all sorts of competing philosophies. I don't have time to go into all of those, but your philosophy will dictate a number of things in your life. What does success look like for you? Your philosophy dictates that. What's important to you? Is hard work important? Is money important? Is family important? Is getting rich important? Is security important? Is adventure important? What's most important? Those things come out of human tradition. Much of what we believe about those things comes out of our family of origin, the family we grew up in, how, how you handle conflict, how you treat people how you treat people of the opposite sex, how you treat people with respect or not. Do you try to manipulate people to get your way? All of those things come out of um, uh, the culture we grew up in. And how we grew up can get changed, it can get modified, especially by the culture we live in. That's also what Paul means when he talks about human tradition. The culture where we are in dictates what we think is important. Now, if you were a young male growing up in a Maasai tribe in Africa, you would know that what's important is, well, to be able to handle pain without flinching. If you were part of different uh, other tribes, what would be important is to survive in the wilderness on your own and be able to hunt game. Well, the culture we grew up in dictates what we think is important, it dictates what we value. Our, our culture has set uh, some things that are important, but it depends on which culture that is dominant in your life. See, the Hell's, Hell's Angels uh, Motorcycle Club, they have a different culture from a hockey culture, uh, which is different from a university culture, which is different from a rural culture. Uh, and all these cultures value different things. And, you know, the human tradition, that's, that's how, what shapes us. Paul, Paul says that some of these philosophies uh, are doctrines of demons. And you can see that, uh, you know, with suicide bombers or drug lords. But it is uh, harder but nevertheless present in our culture to, uh, uh, to see doctrines of demons going on, like things that are really bad. Paul says, Christians have Christ as Lord. That is what dominates how they're shaped, how they're formed. Non-Christians have philosophy, human tradition, 
and culture, and sometimes doctrine of the demons as Lord. Colossians chapter 6, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and, uh, and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual, spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is Lord, he is the head over every power and authority. Paul says, even as a Christian, you need to be wary of letting those hollow philosophies, those human traditions, take you captive. Because, indeed, Christ Jesus is Lord. You don't want those things to be Lord, because you have said Christ is Lord. And you received him as Lord, so he says, continue to follow him as Lord. See, the fullness of God lives in Jesus. And because you are in him, you have been brought into fullness, is what he says. In the core of who you are, you have the fullness of God, because uh, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, resides in you. It, it is done, and the fullness is there. The fullness is not yet released until uh, what has been done on the inside comes to the outside. But the fullness of God is in you because God's Spirit is in you. Paul, uh, what Paul really wants for you as a follower of Christ is to know that whatever philosophy may come, whatever human tradition there is, Christ is over that. He is beyond that. He is ruler over all. Listen, you, there will be times when uh, you are following Christ and living in our culture, and those things will be quite compatible. It's wonderful when those things happen. Uh, there will be times when you are following Christ and the culture that surrounds you is quite incompatible. I want you to remember at those times that Christ Jesus is still Lord. Now Paul goes on to talk about the Christian. I'm going to read these verses from the New Living Translation because although it says the same thing, it uses a language that's a little more understandable. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Paul said, when you became a Christian, God essentially did heart surgery on you. He cut out your old sinful nature. And Paul is saying at the same time, he gave you a new heart. In Romans, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says somewhat the same thing. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he says, um, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. When you become a Christian, one of the significant differences is that you are made a new creation. As a Christian, at the core of who you are, you are a new creation. The spiritual nature has been, uh, sinful nature has been removed, and you have been given a, a heart, a, a heart for God. His Holy Spirit is in you. God, Christ's new nature is there. And Christ in you is the hope of glory. Does that mean that we always want to do the right thing? 
Well, the core of who we are, yeah. But sometimes our core is so covered up with the culture we grew up in, or the habits that we've established, or um, our own desires and and, and wants um, for immediate things rather than than listening to the still small voice that is in the core of who we are. They take immediate precedence. And so sometimes we have this tug of war within us. But at the core of who you are, if you are a Christian, Christ is there, his Holy Spirit is there, you have been given a new nature, and it just needs to come to the outside. Paul then restates the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Verse 13 says, when you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our, all our sin. You were dead in your sin before you became a Christian. People who are not Christians are dead in their sin. But when you became a Christian, when you received Jesus as Lord, God made you a life. Christ came into you. He made you alive in him. This is part of what it means to have a new nature. Here's what happens when, when God makes you alive. Verse uh, 13, the end of it says, He forgave us our sins. Verse 14, Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. When he made you alive in Christ, all your sins were forgiven. You know that the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, separation from God. That judgment hung over us, but God has taken away our indebtedness. He's taken away what we owe because we sin, and that which stood against us, condemning us, and he's nailed it, those things to the cross. Christians... Those of you who have received Jesus by faith and you have received him as Lord, you are alive in Christ. All your sins have been forgiven. Not some of them. All of them have, uh, have been forgiven. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation that stands against you. There is nothing that stands in your way between you and God. You have been made alive and you are forgiven. And here's what I want you to know, those of you who are not yet Christians. I want you to know that what God really wants for you is that you would have this happen to you as well. That you would be made alive, that the old nature would be taken away, and that he would put a new nature in you, that he would give you his Holy Spirit. And he would make you alive, and in doing so, he forgives all of your sins. There's no condemnation that stands against you. You're not indebted anymore to, to him. You will be made spiritually alive so you can have a relationship with the God of the universe. If you want to do that, let me remind you what Romans says. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How do you have Jesus come into your life? Well, you trust that he's going to do what he said he would do. A prayer like this is, is a good, good prayer to pray. It's not the words that matter. It's your faith and choosing to follow him.
pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe what you did on the cross, you did for me. I give you my life. I choose to follow you. I receive your promise to make me alive in you, to forgive me of my sin. I trust you have done everything that is needed uh, so that there is no condemnation for me. Thank you that your promises are for me. If you pray a prayer like that, God receives you. And he, allow, he comes into your life. And you are given, uh, created anew. You're given a new identity. I encourage you, if you pray a prayer like that, tell somebody who you know is a Christian. Or drop me an email. I want to encourage you on your faith. Paul goes on to talk about Christ. He says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He just wanted you to know that you don't have to be in fear of the demonic. Uh, you don't have to be in fear of the devils of hell. Because they were disarmed at the cross. They don't have weapons. No weapon formed against you will stand. They were beaten at the cross. Jesus is the victor and he lives in you. And that means that you can be victorious over them as well. So Christian, I want to urge you. Lean into your identity. Lean into who Jesus has made you. Let's look at, at, at what this passage is saying about who you are. It says this. You've received Jesus as Lord. Continue to live out that Lordship because when you do, you'll be rooted and built up in him. You'll be strengthened in the faith and you will overflow with thanksgiving. Jesus is Lord over everything. He has removed your, your old nature and he's given you a new nature. Let it come to the surface, for he has made you spiritually alive. You've been forgiven of all your sin. Your debt has been canceled. There is no condemnation. All those things have been nailed to the cross. That is who you are. That is who you're called to be. That is what you're called to live out. That is who Jesus has made you. Give thanks for it. Lean into it. Live it out. Choose to trust what Jesus has done. That is your identity in Christ. That is who you are as a Christian. That is what Christ has done for you. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for those who are listening who know you. I ask your Father that you would do something amazing in their life that you would help them to have that identity, that core identity that you placed in them, to bubble to the surface, that they couldn't help but see you. They couldn't help but sense it, that you're at work. Lord, I do give thanks because, well, you've done such an amazing thing for us. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to live out what it means to receive Jesus as Lord. Lord, root us, establish us, Build us up. Give us a great foundation 
Help us to grow and live it out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.